Good morning. Good morning. I am Judy Weaver. I am the coordinator of accessibility services here at the college. That means I provide accommodations for students who can't fully access all the classes and programs at Goshen College. Um, and those reasons for that is what the government calls disabilities. So I might, for example, provide uh, audiobooks for a student with a reading disability or braille books for a blind student or extra testing time for a student with a, an attention deficit like ADD or ADHD. U universities and colleges are required to provide equal access to education um, through the, the law, the, the uh, American with Disabilities Act or ADA. The ADA was enacted in 1990, uh, building on earlier civil rights legislation, including the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. So those are the laws. The definition of a person with a disability in the ADA is someone who has a physical or mental impairment that um, substantially limits one or more major life activities. So that's the definition. Um, and there are lots of students on campus who meet that definition. So it might be things that are obvious, like a person with a condition that requires using a wheelchair, or blind student, or a deaf student. Uh, it might be something not obvious, like anxiety, or depression, or um, PTSD, or attention deficit, ADD, ADHD. It might be something like chronic migraines, or chronic diseases, or genetic disorders, just all kinds of things. So before I go on, I do want to say, if you think you might meet that definition and you could benefit from accommodations, come see me. My office is in the library. Or if you're just curious and want to get more information, yeah, come and talk to me. So, okay, so today's convo we have entitled, Not a Unicorn, Students with Disabilities Share Why Most of What You Think You Know About Them Is Wrong. That's our title. Not a unicorn just means it's not as rare as you might think. Nationwide, 20% of college students have disabilities. And there are lots of students on campus, um, but we have asked these seven folks here to share their experiences and tell you a little more. Um, they're the ones who agreed to step out of their comfort zone and, and share this morning. So I'm gonna have them introduce themselves, but before I do that, I also wanna introduce the three of us who will be asking our panel some questions. Brooke and Kelsey um, and I are all faculty members who are part of this mission to provide equal access to education to everybody. So I'm gonna start with them. I'm gonna take this um, and let them introduce themselves. And then we'll just go on down the row and you guys give your name and your major and anything you want to say about your disability, okay? Hi, I'm Brooke Lemon. Thank you for being here today. I am Associate Professor of Education, so I teach in our teacher education program and I direct the special education 
um, side of that program. So students who want to become special education teachers. I'm also the advisor for our disability studies minor here at Goshen, and through my research, I work with um, a lot of our autistic students here at Goshen College. So thanks for being here. And I'm Kelsey McLean. I work with the Library and the Academic Success Center. Um, so I work on the tech side of accommodations. So once our students have met with Judy, they come to me and I help set up audiobooks. Um, I'm the one that does the captioning. So if you see captions on a video in Moodle, likely that was me. Um, so anything technology related, apps, um, PDFs, what have you, um, I'm there to help out. Some of that stuff I can do whether you have an accommodation or not. So if you're interested in that, you can come see me at the library. Um, I did want to also describe myself. I should have done this at the beginning. I am a um, middle-aged female with long brown hair, glasses. I am wearing a short sleeve blue shirt and blue jeans. I am describing myself in an effort to be accessible to anybody with a visual impairment. That is something that I've been trying to do in presentations and anytime that I have to speak. So thank you for having us all here today. Hi, my name is Madeline. My major is psychology with a minor in music and ASL. Uh, my disability is right side weakness as well as language barrier and not be able to see the right field of vision. Um, yeah. Um, hi, my name is Anastasia. I am a TESOL and education major, um, and I have a lot of disability identities, including autism, Tourette's, a sleep disorder, and a tremor as like the big ones. Hello, friends. Um, my name is Adina. I'm a senior this year. I'm an interpreting major, which is a pretty wild experience to be on this side of the stage, I guess. Um, uh, my primary disability identity is that I have Tourette's syndrome. Um, yeah, I suppose that's everything. Huh? Uh, good morning. My name is Ethan. I am a sophomore. Um, I am a sustainability studies and writing double major. Um, I have multiple sclerosis. And um, because of that, I have some limited function in my hands. Um, and that's what I have my um, uh, accessibility um, accommodation. accommodation for here. Thank you. Hello, I'm Emily, and I'm a junior nursing major. Um, I mostly struggle with ADHD. Hello, I'm Antoinette. I'm also a junior. I am majoring in social work with a minor in theater, and I'm a student with a learning disability, specifically dyscalculia, which is a basically number dyslexia. Hello, my name is Kyra Wilson. I'm a junior. My major is special education and elementary gen ed. I have an LD in processing disorder and an anxiety disorder with ADHD and ADD. Okay, thanks you guys. Um, and I think I wanna move this out of the way here. Put it down there. Okay, so our first question for you guys is, let's start with the subject of disability and identity. So we have quite a diverse group, different experiences, different disabilities, different ages, all kinds of things. Um, and identity is a big topic, but one window into 
into that is the language that people choose to use. So I have used the term disability because that's the government term. Um, but what language do you use to talk about your identity? Do you prefer person-first language, which would be like saying, I'm a student with autism, or a person with autism? Or do you prefer identity-first language, which would be more like saying, I'm an autistic student, I'm an autistic person, or just I'm autistic? Uh, and do you identify as having a disability, and how do you feel about that word? And we're going to start with Adina. Thank you, Judy. I appreciate that. Um, so I first became familiar with like disability language because of my major. Um, we talk about deaf and autism being the two like primary uh, groups of people that prefer, generally speaking, identity-first language. So you're more ready to say a deaf person or an autistic person because of how close that identity is to that person. Um, as for myself, I prefer um, person-first language. Um, I have a neurological disability, which basically means like there are things in my brain that don't quite connect in the same way that more like neurotypical brains might. Um, so I prefer to be referred to as a person with Tourette's, although there is the word Tourette's, but I'm not sure most people know that. <laughs> um, but that's just my experience with person and identity first language. Um, so, the way that I identify often depends on what disability is being talked about. So, I'm autistic, and I generally say that I'm autistic because it influences basically every aspect of my life, and also I don't have a problem with it or find it very disabling. It's kind of one of the cool things about who I am, I feel like. So, I would rather be referred to as autistic person. Um, and I do use the word disabled, and I would refer to myself as disabled because of the way that some of my disabilities affect every part of my life or certain things that I am truly limited at, no matter how much I'm accommodated at. I'll still have problems with how much I have to sleep or being able to wake up or being able to move certain places. So accommodations can help, but there will always be parts of my life where I will feel disabled. And so I prefer to use that word. But I think generally it's best to ask a person if you're not sure what they use, because lots of people don't prefer to call themselves disabled. So that's my very unique experience. Um, similarly to everyone else, I go by um, that I'm ADHD. I don't say that I'm a person with ADHD or that I'm an ADHD person because that doesn't really make sense to me. But um, I also think that for me, it's not one of my, that's not how I describe myself always. Like I always say that I'm a nursing student, I'm a female, I identify as a female, um, I'm Oregonian. I don't think that just being ADHD is the only thing that defines me. But, um, and then, Thinking about the word disabled, I don't really think about it, but I, I don't really mind it either. So, yeah. Any other comments? Yeah, it's just that word disabled. Um, I actually don't like using that word, um, just because of the, I suppose, the connotations that are behind it. Um, and it's required as a federal, you know, word to use. Um, but to me, none of us here are really disabled. I think of us all as normal. Um, because it, it is, it's common. You know, it's common not to um, be able to do the same things that everyone else does the same way that they do them. But that's not abnormal.
is normal. That's who we are. <laughs> um, so, Ethan, you kind of touched on this a little bit about how sort of potentially our first reaction to disability or people with disabilities is negative. And so we just wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to express what you think is positive about your disability. And Antoinette is gonna start for us. Um, I personally think just knowing that I have this learning disability is very useful because a lot of the times I just thought I wasn't good at something, but then finding out that the reason why I wasn't good at it is because there was something I was missing, that there was something like I was not processing. So finding out that I have dyscalculia not only helped me pass my math class here at Goshen College, but I was able to like look into it more and find ways to like work with it with other classes. Um, I think a positive of having a learning disability is it's kind of motivating, right? So obviously your journey to school is gonna be a little bumpy and a little bit different, but my, even though my journey is going to be different, um, my motivation and drive, I think, gets stronger every year just because you know I want to be on that same playing field as everyone else and get the same opportunities but with um, equal lines of how to get there. And accommodations and getting that extra help makes the playing field a little bit equal for me as someone that doesn't have a learning disability. Um, so the positive sides of my disability are actually kind of bizarre. Um, basically, with the, rate, the way that Tourette's works, there's a whole thing with serotonin. I won't explain the nitty gritty of it to bore you all this morning. Um, but the thing with Tourette's is there's a very strong pattern recognition aspect to it because of the whole like repetitive behaviors, that sort of thing. Um, and so as a result, like pattern recognition for starters, it comes a lot easier to folks with Tourette's. Um, but also that being said, like learning foreign languages comes a lot easier as well because of that pattern recognition aspect. Um, also, like response times, really cool. So <laughs> I end up catching a lot of the things that I am mysteriously thrown. Um, so that's <laughs> that's kind of a, a neat side effect, if you will. I should have been in sports, I think. <laughs> All right. So for our next question, um, part of our title is. Um, why most of what you think you know is wrong um, about our students. Um, and so the next question, I would like you to talk about some of those things. What are some misconceptions about your disabilities that people on campus and around the country and the world might have? Um, and we are going to start with Ethan. Um, well, having MS, uh, when I tell people that, um, they're often surprised because you know, you have that idea that someone with MS is going to have mobility issues, they're going to need assistive devices, um, but I'm not like that. I don't, you know, I appear um, normal in most ways. Um, and, um, it's just, um, well, let me think here for a second. Um, 
So I have a lot of symptoms, um, including my hands that don't function. Uh, all these symptoms are, are invisible to people looking at me. And I come across as someone who's healthy and really overall I am healthy, um, but I have a lot of these things going on in the background that are really hard to deal with on a daily basis. Um, and so I, I guess it's just, you know, disabilities aren't always visible. Um, there's so many types of disabilities that we have. And when you meet someone, you may not know or understand what's going on. Um, so it's just something to be aware of that um, life affects us all a little bit differently. Um, I think that's about all I have to say about that. Um, so I have right side weakness, as I mentioned before. And so I wear a brace, which helps me walk, run, jump, dance, just all the activities I want to do. Um, but I also don't need it 24-7. Like, I can swim without it. I can still walk without it. But when I meet new people, they always assume, oh, you wear a brace, so you can't do anything. You must, like... You're not able to run, you're not able to go on hikes and things like that. And so when I tell people like, no, I can't do those things, um, people always get surprised and kind of bugs me <laughs> that people assume I can't do things just because I wear a brace. Um, during the summer, I actually work at a camp and it's located in Washington State, Camp Camrack. Um, and so there we're always going on hikes, we're always swimming, doing activities. Um, so it's just, like I said, it's just irritating when people just assume that I can't do things that I can actually do. And like I said, I don't need the brace 24-7. I can even walk and run without it if I want to, um, but it's still very helpful on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so I think you all are familiar with the media representation of Tourette's, huh? I believe there was a brief clip in one of the Scream movies um, that I had the pleasure of watching with someone else who knew I had Tourette's. Um, if you haven't seen that clip, be warned. <laughs> um, but I don't know, I, I think Tourette's in and of itself is a bit m misconceiving. Um, as I, I would like to mention that I am non-disabled presenting, if you will, right now, where in actuality, the inside of my body is vibrating. <laughs> I'm not much of a talk in front of people person. Um, but you know that feeling when like you get a cold, it's second grade, <laughs> and you don't wanna be that kid that's coughing all day in the back of the class, um, where you feel like you're gonna cough, and it's like building up in your throat, you know? Um, that's what it feels like before you tick. Sometimes. Sometimes it's a total surprise. <laughs> um, but most of the time it kind of feels like that, where you have a bit of a premonition. Like, I feel like I'm going to sneeze, I feel like I'm going to cough. Um, it kind of feels like that, where you can hold it back, that's what we call suppressing ticks. Um, but it's, it's not always, <laughs> it's not always that easy. Um, so just recognizing that that's kind of like, how it works. That's probably why most of the people that I go to class with don't know I have Tourette's because it's something that I can kind of like keep down for about 50 minutes at a time. Um, but I also wanted to recognize that there, I don't know, a, a common misconception about it is that it's uncontrollable um, or like completely involuntary, right? Like 
Oh no, I accidentally just threw the mic across the stage, where I have thrown and broken my phone before. Um, it's a little bit more involuntary than involuntary, as my friend Anastasia has once <laughs> lent me the language to use. Um, and by that, they meant that like, where involuntary is like completely uncontrollable, involuntary is more this feeling of like, I can control it to some degree, but it's really hard to do so. And it can be like really exhausting to like wake up and live that process every day. So that's kind of a little bit about that, I guess. <laughs> Did anybody else want to add to any of that? So what are some things you should or shouldn't say to a person with a disability? Could you share a story about something somebody said to you once that maybe made you uncomfortable? And what would have been better? And just help us know better ways to approach the topic or maybe when to just like shut up and be quiet. Um, what I can kind of think of at the top of my head is um, a lot of people uh, yeah, let me start over. A lot of people um, may notice that it looks like I'm struggling with like picking up a box or picking up something heavy, and so they'll immediately come up to me and um, start helping. And a lot of times, I do not need that. Um, and a lot of people do not check with me; they just start helping me um, and kind of just assume that oh, I've say like. I can't do something and maybe start asking me questions and being like, how come you couldn't pick up that box or why did you need help with that? And a lot of times I come up, I'm like, I did not need that help. Like, I'm not a person that's scared to ask for help if I need help picking a heavy box. If, um, I'm not gonna be scared to ask for that help. And one thing that, at least for me personally, that I would greatly appreciate is for people to actually ask me first, like, do you need help? And if I say no, I mean no, I really don't need the help. Um, so I feel like that's like a better approach, at least for me personally, it's different for everyone, but yeah. The main thing that I get relatively frequently with disability is people saying, I wish I had your disability, um, which I would hope that people would know better than to say, but it happens a lot, especially when I say that I have narcolepsy. I'll hear people respond, oh, I wish I had that problem, I can't sleep, um, which is A, rude, but B, ignorant, because one of the symptoms of narcolepsy is insomnia, and I don't get to choose when I sleep. I don't just get sleepy all the time. There are times that I can't fall asleep at night and I'm laying awake, but then in class the next day, I'm asleep at my desk, and I don't really get to choose those things. So I guess acting like, oh, it would be better to be able to sleep than to have insomnia is a very, um, shallow view of that disability and it it kind of adds to the misconceptions that there already are about narcolepsy being this falling asleep while you're driving sort of disorder when it, that's not how it is. Um, but even with having Tourette's, I remember a time in high school that one of my teammates said, oh, I wish I had Tourette's so that I could say whatever I want in class and not get in trouble. And I was flabbergasted because I was dealing with like trying not to curse in my classes and having teachers yell at me anyway because they didn't know. Um, so just, yeah, bearing in mind that, A, you might have a poor view of what somebody else's disability is, so don't assume things about it, but B, that it's never appropriate to say, I wish I had your problem, because that is not a very um, compassionate view of other people. Um, something that someone said to me 
soon after my diagnosis was um, if I was, if what happened to you happened to me, I would kill myself. And that was during one of the hardest periods of my life when he said that. And it's an old friend who said this to me. And he said it, well, I know, I know this person, so I know that he said it, meaning that um, I'm really strong and that um, he was amazed that I could deal with what I was dealing with as well as I was. But the way he said it um, was really hard to hear. Um, and, you know, it's much better to say, um, I can see that you're going through a lot, and I can see that you know you appear that you're dealing with it well, but if you need to talk about it, if you need some support, you know I'm here. That's what he was trying to say, and that's what I wish he would have said, um, because I actually don't remember what I said before or after that comment. I just remember that comment, and it um, and it wasn't easy to hear, um, and it didn't help. Um, one other thing that people say to me um, all the time, and it's usually, you know, when I, when they find out that I have MS, they say, oh, wow, you're doing really well. And um, overall, yes, I am doing well. But it's still a struggle every day. And when people say that to me, that day might be a really hard day for me, um, but on the outside it looks like I'm doing well. Um, so don't just assume, you know, your friend or someone you meet is doing well. Oh, you're doing so well. No, it's really hard. Um, it's really scary to go through the day. Um, you know, I get up in the morning and I don't know if I'll be able to walk down the stairs that day. And little things happen constantly, over and over, every day. Um, so it's better just to say, wow, you know, let me know if you need some assistance. Let me know if you need someone to talk to. Um, those are much better things to say. Thank you. So the next question, we already briefly mentioned academic accommodations, and I'm guessing some of your peers out here today um, may be curious about, oh, you know, why isn't so-and-so here to take that test today or, or whatever that might look like. So this question is, how do you feel about academic accommodations such as extra time for taking tests? What do they do for you? How do they help you? And do you have any advice? What are the best ways for professors to offer help? This is a really big question. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I have definitely really appreciated the accommodations that I have gotten. I've gotten extra time taking, um, testing in my own room, which has been very helpful. Um, and kind of, I think, text-to-speech or yeah, something like that, where a computer reads to me when I'm reading a question because sometimes I 
forget what I was reading before. Um, anyways, that's kind of one of my issues. Um, it has definitely helped me. I've, I've realized because freshman year I had no accommodations and I was definitely struggling in a lot of classes. Um, and then sophomore year came and I decided to go talk to Judy, get accommodations, and ever since then I have definitely feel like I've excelled more at my classes and have been able to, you know, successfully learn the content um, as opposed to just like kind of barely scraping by. Um, and then for professors, I feel like I have been lucky to have really, you know, kind professors that have been understanding. Um, for me, I'm very much a person who learns by doing stuff hands-on, so I know you can't do that in every um, class. For nursing, that's different. We do a lot of stuff hands-on, so, but that has definitely been helpful for me. And then kind of, you know, just catering to different learning needs, like, yeah. Um, I definitely agree with Emily. I also suffer from generalized anxiety, which I did mention earlier, but because of that, I have like these like unwanted thoughts when I am stuck on a question. So then I'm like, then I have these like massive emotions, sometimes crying, and so I can't finish this test, but with time on test, I'm able to cope maybe for like five minutes, breathe and get back to it and still have time to take those tests. So those are really useful and also taking it in a different room because I know when I was in like high school when every student would finish before me and I was just me and the professor, I'd just like rush and finish so I wouldn't have to be in that space because I was very anxious. So yeah, so that has been really helpful. And in terms of like um, professors helping in academic setting, I think just being patient with students, which I think many professors already do and I really appreciate that. Um, well, accommodations are awesome. Like I said before, they make the playing field equal. Um, but also, I kind of agree with Emily and Antoinette. Like, I struggle with anxiety 24-7, and it freaking sucks. Especially when you take a quiz or a test in a room, and you see everyone else finish, and you're like, oh, dang, like, I'm still on question two. Like, what the heck? But, um, yeah, so love accommodations. I think that it's just, it's just a really good resource, I think, for us to do well and improve in school and to understand the content. As professors, um, again, I'm pretty lucky with mine. They're super helpful in understanding. But the best thing that, I, that helped me improve in college was just support and love and just always telling me that I can do something even if someone tells me I can't. And I don't know, I think just being there as an outlet to talk about things that are a little bit more challenging for you is always something super helpful. Okay, you guys, we're gonna skip to our last question just because time is short. So share an experience related to your disability that affected your life to make you who you are today? Oh, okay. Back to Kyra. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've had a lot of like crazy, interesting stories, but one that I like will always take with me was a story that was in eighth grade. Um, I'm really close with this teacher now, and like I laugh about it, but it really did bother me. Um, I remember I went to her because I literally was getting C's and D's on every single test, every single quiz. And I was like, what the heck, Kyra? Like, what's going on? And I went to her and I had said, you know, I'm really unsatisfied with 
these grades? What can I do? Um, we have a lot of time left of the semester. What can I do to improve? And she looked at me and she had said, you know, C's and D's, Kyra, like, that's really, that's good for you. And I was like, uh, why is that my standard? Um, like, why is there no push to get better? And so I had said, okay, well, what can I do to get some B's and some A's? Because that's what I want. That's my personal goal. And she just didn't really give me any help. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to independently figure this out. So I got a tutor, and I actually ended that class with an A. And I think that that taught me that no matter who is going to support you, a teacher, um, I have great support at home. But even if I didn't, like I have support for myself. And I constantly reassure myself. And a disability can definitely ruin your self-confidence. But I've kind of trained my brain to self-accommodate and to fight for what I feel as if I deserve as a student. And I don't know, it motivates me to prove a lot of people wrong. And I think that that's pretty cool. Proves my hard work, I guess. Period. Um, I think my story is like from high school and then to Goshen. So like during my high school, taking like algebra, geometry, and all that, I would always like not do the best. I would always like get C's, you know, C's, D's on my math. And whenever we were in class, I would tell my teacher, I was like, oh, I think I have number dyslexia. And my teacher would be like, ha, 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 you know? And then I was like, okay, maybe it's not a thing and I'm just being silly. And so, and that like happened throughout high school, like uh, first year, my first year, my second year. And then I came to Goshen College and I was gonna, I was having to take quantitative reasoning. Yay, that class is great. Um, <laughs> and so I remember being in class and I was like, and like, I was like, this to my prof, I was like, I think I have number dyslexia. And she was like, ha ha ha, yeah, let's get you number glasses. And I'm like, yeah, that would be useful. And so I attended every uh, tutoring um, and, I attend, and I did all my homework and I did really well on that. But whenever it came to the test, I failed. And so then she came to me, she was like, Antoinette, I think you should consider that you actually might have something called dyscalculia. And I was like, so that is actually a thing. I was very surprised. I was like, wow, I thought it was just me putting like numbers and dyslexia together, but finding out that was, an actually, it was actually a thing was very helpful because then I reached out to Judy and we figured out a way to get me extra time on tests. And for the first time ever, I passed a, cl a math class with an A and I was very, very happy. Uh, so my experience um, that kind of like affects my life now is that the reason I have right side weakness and language barrier and right field blindness is due to a brain tumor. Um, I was two years old when I had this brain tumor. It is the second most common brain tumor that children might have, um, but for me, the tumor kept coming back multiple times throughout my childhood. Um, and because of, it was on the left side of my brain, that's what greatly affected the um, right side and language barrier and whatnot. Um, but it really does make me who I am. Um, I, yeah, it just makes me who I am. It's a big part of who I am. Um, I never thought of it as something bad that happened to me. Um, 
I'm lucky that I had a good experience, that I was with some of the best doctors in the world. Um, I'm actually a St. Jude patient, so I got the best care I could get. Um, so yeah, and like I said, it's just a huge part of me. I'm proud that I was able to survive that and be here today and go to college that I really want to go to. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, I have one more thing to tell you, but before I tell you that, could you please give a hand to these students who so bravely shared? And finally, thank you for coming today. Um, and thank you especially for you folks who came up to the front and supported them by sitting. And if you are you know, up here, and if you're in the first three rows with the red seats, you can look in, which one is it, Suzanne? Uh, Voices Together, the, the hymnal at hymn 70. And for some of you, there will be a, a door prize, a, a drink card, I think, is what it, you're looking for. And thank you, everybody else. We're done. We'll see you around.